morning. Thank you for watching online. If you're tuning online, please drop a comment. Let us know that you're watching. If you're in the auditorium this morning, would you please stand and worship with us?
a shout of praise this morning.
morning, church. You guys can have a seat. It's good to be with you. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Crossroads. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say we're glad you're here. It's a good day to be alive. Amen? Yeah. I love that song. You guys sounded good, too. Hey, I want to welcome all of our guests uh, here in the building and online. Let's thank God. Can we thank God for our, our online family joining us? And Facebook and YouTube and the Roku channel and I feel like all kinds of other places, the church online platform, we're thankful for technology like that. So we're glad that you all are here. If you're a guest in the building this morning, please stop by the Welcome Center. We have something to give you, something to just say thanks for being here with us and joining us. If you're online, let us know you're a guest and you're checking things out. We'd love to connect with you online as well. Hey, listen, we had an awesome Friday celebrating our own Eric McElvenny coming sixth, which is amazing. That was awesome. Like, what a... I mean, what a privilege to be able to be a part of that, to say, hey, listen, I go to church with this guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it, it, I think that is so, so cool. Eric, we're so proud of you. Did a phenomenal job. We can't wait to see you back here uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, listen, we have our car crews coming up on Tuesday, 5 to 9. Come on up. Enjoy some great cars. There's also some really great people and food here. So please come up for, on Tuesdays. And then Wednesday nights start on the 8th. Wednesday nights are uh, men's and women's groups. There's uh, middle school happens on Wednesday nights, as well as our kids' ministry, our clubhouse kids, which is elementary school age. So come on up on September 8th, and that's going to start at 6.30 on September 8th. And we're going to have some fun stuff to kick off the year, so please come on up on September 8th. We have uh, baby dedications on September 12th. And so if you would like to dedicate your child, uh, please go to our website, and you can uh, fill out the information there, and we'll connect with you and share more information. But we're going to celebrate these families that are going to be dedicating their children to the Lord. You can also stop by the Welcome Center as well. And then on the 19th, we have... Our next steps, this is our membership. Next steps is about taking your next step here at Crossroads, joining this church, becoming a part of this church, making this church your home. And so join us on the 19th for our next steps class. You can register on our website. It is completely free. We'll have uh, child care as well as food. And we'll just walk you through how do you join this church? What does it look like? What do we believe here? What do the different staff do? And it just understanding the ins and outs and more importantly, what we believe and why we exist, why we're on mission. So please join us on the 19th. And then I'd like to bring my lovely wife up to talk about MOPS. Our, our MOPS uh, is our uh, mothers of preschoolers. And so Jess, what's happening with MOPS? Good morning. My name is Jesse McLean. I lead the MOPS group here at Crossroads. That's the Mothers of Preschoolers. So if you have a child from the age of birth through kindergarten, we would like to invite you to be a part of our MOPS group. Um, we have a really great time. We meet at the second and fourth Tuesday of every month in the morning. We have child care. We have hot breakfast, hot cup of coffee. We do crafts sometimes. So we have a really good time, and we just encourage each other and lead each other closer to Jesus. Um, so if you are... Um, would like to join MOPS or know someone who would like to join MOPS, um, contact me, Jesse McLean, or we have people in the back with cards um, to the, with information. Our first MOPS meeting is September 14th at 9.15 right here in the auditorium. Um, if you would like more information, this Tuesday, the 31st, we have a MOPS play date right here at the playground back behind the church um, where you can meet the child care workers, the leaders, and other moms, and it's really informal. So we hope that you'll join us.
All right, guys, let's pray as we continue on. I just want to say thanks for your faithfulness and giving and for being a part of what we're doing here at Crossroads. And so you can give online through the mail or the boxes on the wall. But let's let's thank God for all that he's doing. And let's go before him in prayer. Lord, uh, thank you for just the song that we were able to sing about how you are unstoppable. God, we think about just the, the, the tiniest moments in our lives. We think about the greatest moments in our lives, Lord. And all those things affect us. But God, you are unaffected by anything that we experience here in this, in this lifetime, God, or we will experience, Lord. Uh, from everything from COVID to, God, the, the struggles of our culture to the struggles of, our, of international scale, God, none of these things are stopping your plan. Lord, you are, you are, on, you are on the move. God, I pray this morning that we would catch a greater glimpse of how, Lord, you are working. Um, God, working from everything from a student, uh, from a child, from a family, uh, to a broken situation relationally, God, to our, our schools, to our state, to our country, Lord, you are on the move. And we thank God, we thank you, Lord, that you are unstoppable, Lord. You truly are unstoppable. And so, Lord, we can find peace in our hearts, Lord, knowing that you are in charge, that you are king, that you are over all. Lord, we love you and we thank you for Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for, uh, Lord, the faithfulness of your people in giving. Lord, we give all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
See how they sit in the back of the auditorium, right? There you go. It is well with my soul. Aren't you thankful for that song? Thankful for that truth? Let's thank God for that, man. It is well with our soul. We continue on in our series with the with remarkable. We're looking at who Jesus is and, and what does that mean for your life. Today we're going to look at a mountaintop experience. Do you ever, do you ever hike up a mountain? Anybody ever, how many hikers do we have in here? Anybody like to hike? Alright, we have one, two, three, four, alright? Okay, and I, yeah, Kyle, you told me you were a hiker too. I was like, that must make, that's where he gets all them pipes from, you know what I mean? So you can really sing from all that exercise going up and down that mountain. But I, but I want to encourage you, as, as, as you look at the mountaintop, you know, when you think of a mountaintop, you think of beauty. Look at this picture here of the mountaintop. When you think of this mountaintop, that's, uh, that's an Ecuador, 
we're down in Ecuador. The mountains are so magnanimous, they're so big, and then the clouds. You're up so high, the elevation, the air is so thin, and then the, the clouds move in over the mountain. So you're just kind of standing there, and you're breathing in the cloud. You're taking it all in as, uh, as you're looking at it. And then, you know, I, I was going through my pictures, and I found picture after picture after picture of me and me and my wife and me and my kids in front of a mountain. Isn't that kind of crazy? You take... Here's this big mountain and you need me in the picture, right? The, the mountain is just so beautiful. And when you get up on top of the mountain, the bird's eye view that you get, you look at everything from there, you can see everything. It's incredible. We have our own mountain in Pittsburgh. We call it Mount Washington, right? You go up Mount Washington and you look and you see the beautiful view of the city. And when you're up on top of the mountain, everything looks so different. This week we're going to talk about a mountaintop experience. Next week, we're going to talk about a valley flop experience, okay? This week's the high, the mountaintop. Next week's the low, the valley flop, right? Because we all have them. We come from a mountaintop, and then we go down to the valley flop. So last week, we left off. Jesus had just got done. He'd been challenging his disciples. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. Okay. Now he tells, the, tells, the, he tells his disciples he must suffer. The Son of Man must suffer. And they're, they're taken back by that. They're blown away. Like, what do you mean that the Son of Man must suffer? And then he goes to the crowd and he says, Furthermore, lose your life and you'll find it. Like all those things you've been investing in, you, you thought you found yourself in your job. You thought you found yourself in your family. You thought you found yourself in your career, um, schooling, education. You thought you found yourself. You missed it. Come to me. Find yourself in me and you'll be more alive than you ever were. And so Jesus lays this big, big uh, speech on the people, and he's in this town called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi happens to be on the southwest face of this mountain named Mount, Harem, uh, Mount Hermon, on the top of Mount Hermon. And so Mount Hermon, he's at the bottom of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is 9,200 feet plus in elevation. And so we see here he's about ready to take, his, take just a few of his disciples up to the top of Mount Hermon. Look here at the passage, Mark chapter 9, verse 1. He's just wrapped up the, the teaching to the people. And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Some scholars think that he was talking about the resurrection, like some of these people would meet him after he resurrected from the dead. And others think that it's, well, look what he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about the glory that he would reveal. And there were three of them, Peter, James, and John. Who would get to see it. So he says, some of you will get to see this. Not all of you, but some of you will get to see this. He continues on. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. It takes a six day. There's a six day break. And I love how the scriptures always give you these little time marks so that you can know this stuff actually happened. This wasn't like, you know, a bunch of stories that were put together. Six days later, he takes Peter, James, and John. They go up on top of Mount Hermon. Yeah, Mount Hermon, on top of Mount Hermon, 9,200 feet, and they go up there. And you can imagine how tired the disciples are. If you go over and you look in the book of Matthew, Matthew tells you that the disciples were exhausted, so to the point that they slept. And, and, and what, what is about to happen, when Jesus gets transfigured, they wake up. And so many scholars shake their head this passage, like, what was going on? Jesus goes up and he's transfigured. 
This word transfigured is the same word metamorpho. Metamorphosis, you've heard of that, right? He was changed. He was transfigured. He was transformed. So they saw Jesus that was walking on the earth. They saw Jesus that was performing miracles. They saw him in the, in the way that they had saw him for the last two years. And now they go up on the mountain. He's transfigured. He takes on a new form. And it's this heavenly form that they get to see. They get to see the glory of God as they've never seen it before. His clothes, verse 3, his clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Um, one translation says it like this, no earthly beach bleach could make it that bright. Kind of just a little less on this. No earthly beach bleach, beach, yeah. I'll take an earthly beach right now, right? No earthly bleach could make it that white. Like his, 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 his garments were radiating. And, uh, and as you look over into now just a little bit more, right? This is a sweet spot. I'm, I'm all over the place here today, right? Um, he, he was transfigured and his clothes become exceedingly white and no launderer on earth can whiten like that. Look at this picture I have here. This is what happened. Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They've seen him in plain clothes. They've seen the God man. But now they're seeing this transfigured God of the universe, what it would be like. And, and, and the scriptures go on to tell us that not only did they find Jesus there, but they find Elijah and they find Moses there. And so they're looking. Imagine waking up. You've hiked up 9,200 feet. I mean, anybody here hiked that much? You, uh -huh. You're, you're okay. You did okay. Good for you. Congratulations. My idea of a hike is the front steps. You know, I, I hike up and I do the front steps, and then I'm pretty winded. You know, uh, when we were up in Ecuador, up in that elevation, and we're going up there. You know, I'm doing the tourist hike, and so that you can get your photo up. You're, I'm just dead tired. You're breathing. You're huffing and puffing. These disciples go all the way up there. They're dead tired. They're asleep. They're waking up by this and they see this transfiguration. You say, wow, listen, this is incredible what happened because God was revealing his glory to them. And then Elijah appeared to them. Verse four, Elijah appeared to them with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And so you have two important characters here. You had Moses and you had Elijah. They are to Jewish history what George Washington and Abraham Lincoln are to American history. Um, Moses was an incredible character. And as, when you think about Moses, Moses was the, the greatest leader of all times. He stood up. He put up with people complaining. He put up with all kinds of things. And yet he kept leading and he kept moving. He took people through a desert for 40 years and he didn't know where they were going. He said, we're following God. And as he did that, that, the people would complain, they'd cry all the time, and he just kept leading. As a matter of fact, it was Moses that had the experience with the burning bush. And when you go up onto the mountain, you understand that uh, he was on Mount Sinai. And up on Mount Sinai, he has this interaction with God at the burning bush. And he comes to this point in Exodus chapter 33 where he says this. In 33 verse 18, he says, Please show me your glory. He's talking to God. He says, Lord, show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. No man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. And you shall stand on the rock. So it will be when my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you 
with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you will see my back, but my face you shall not see. Like this is, this is what Peter, James, and John, this is what they knew about God. They know that no man can see God and live. And now they're on this mountain of transfiguration and, uh, and they're actually afraid. They're, they're like blown away. They can't believe this. They're seeing Jesus and then all of a sudden they also see Moses and they also see Elijah and like, wait a minute, what is this all about? Elijah was like Abraham during the Civil War. He guided, uh, like, like Abraham guided this country during the Civil War. Elijah guided Israel during a, a terrible time of violence, during a self-affliction of Israel. And so as you see this, he's on a mountain. They're now seeing God for who he is. They're seeing this bright light. They're seeing the brightness of God. He's shining, exceedingly shining. And then you see these other two. And I want to just give you just a little side note here. Eternity is real. Eternity is a lot longer than your life here. And if you invest everything for this life here, you've missed it. Eternity is what we're longing for. As a matter of fact, God says that we get these glorified bodies. Moses came back in his glorified body. Elijah comes back in his glorified body. And they're on the mountain and they're talking with Jesus. And it's the three of them talking like as if they were at a coffee shop. They're... They're friends and they're talking and they're enjoying this fellowship. And Peter, James, and John come in and they look at that. And I want to encourage you because we will get a glorified body one day when we get to heaven. I want you to think about that, what that's going to be like. Uh, verse 5, then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good. It is good for us to be here. Is it good for us to be here? And let us make three tabern and let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. So, so like he's coming and saying, I don't know that this is really good for us to be here. Like we're in the presence of the holiness of God, and I know what we'll do. We'll make it. We'll make a tabernacle, and it's the word, the the Greek word for tabernacle. It can be translated as a tent or a shelter. So we'll make a little place for Jesus. We'll make a little place for Moses. We'll make a little place for Elijah. Because they were afraid. Now look at this. Verse 6. He said this because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Peter's afraid and he's got a phobia. That, that's the, the word afraid there is the Greek word for phobia. He has a phobia now. He is afraid of what's about to happen because no man has seen God and lived. And he has just seen God peel back the curtain and let him see a little bit of the glory of God. And Peter, James, and John are up on this mountain. And as he goes about to, to go and, and see the glory of God, he comes up with an idea. We'll just make a little place for you. For Jesus, a little tabernacle for Jesus, a little shelter for you, a little shelter for Elijah, a little shelter for Moses. And what he was referring to was this. In that day, all religions would make a tabernacle. Because of their fear of their God, they would come and they would make a tabernacle where they would do their rituals. And their rituals would be the gap between their God and their humanity. And so the typical typical religion would have a tabernacle where they went to. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, we have we see the tabernacle was set up, the shelter where God came and dwelled, and we see His was so different than all the other places of the world. But here, this is what Peter's referring to and saying: Listen, maybe we should make a place for ritual. Maybe we should make a place where we can come and deal with our, our sin and, and go through a ritual. And because they're afraid of God. Friends, Jesus didn't climb this mountain 9,200 feet 
to go on a camping trip with two of Israel's most beloved heroes. He was there and he was showing his glory. I like what First John says here. Check this out. Talk about the glory of God. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we'll be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Like, like he says, this is so powerful. We don't know what we're going to be like. We, don't, we haven't seen that glory yet. Peter, James, and John got a glimpse of it. But he's saying, listen, we don't know what that's going to be like. But we do know that we'll be like him. We'll see him as he really is. Think about your loved ones that have gone on before you. Think about them in their glorified body right now. Think about you one day in your glorified body. I can't help but think. I don't know what I'm going to look like. I can only imagine a full head of hair. A six-pack. Eight-pack. Twelve-pack. Trading in the keg. Listen, this glorified body, we're going to be forever and ever and ever with God, and we're going to serve Him. And, and John, First John here says that we don't know what that's going to be like, but we do know that we will be like Him. So, And then he continues on here. He says, And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as He is pure. On this side of heaven, if we really believe that heaven is real, and we really believe that God's got a plan for us and eternity's in mind. If that's your eager expectation, Scripture says that our job is to live pure. Like, like if that's what you're going after, you're going after eternity, it's going to change how you react to problems in life. It's going to change how you react to bitterness, to anger. It's going to change how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband. How you treat your kid. Because it's no longer about you. It's no longer about you being right. It's no longer about you getting ahead. It's no longer about looking out for number one. It's about eternity. It's about God's view in mind. And so we have this eager expectation. And therefore God's called us to live as pure. And I want to encourage you, church. What's your eager expectation? Is your eager expectation the next promotion at work? Is your eager expectation the next whatever? vacation, fun, whatever. Listen, we live in a culture right now that's just fun-filled. And it's okay. I love fun. Fun is wonderful. But listen, if that's your eager expectation, you'll do whatever it takes to get to that. And it's typically not purity. And so God says, listen, I want, I'm calling you to be eternal-minded, to have focus of eternity. Like this is about Jesus. And when you are looking at Jesus and you're seeing that that's the end game, now the way you treat people changes. The way that you come and you live your life is going to change. Are you walking a life that God has called you to? Or are you walking a life that's filled with yourself? Are you walking a life that's, that's, uh, that, that's far from God? Mark, 7, Mark chapter 9, verse 7. A cloud came down and overshadowed them. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Uh, the, the cloud was notorious in the Old Testament. Whenever Moses went up on, on Mount Sinai, there was a cloud. And the cloud was the glory of God. The, the cloud came down and, uh, on Mount Sinai and, and there was the glory of God. The cloud would come down to the tabernacle and meet in the Holy of Holies. And that's where business was dealt with. And it was God who came down. It was the glory of God would come down. Uh, Israel was led by a cloud by day, a, a pillar of cloud by day and uh, fire by night. 
This image is reminiscent of Exodus 19.9. Check this out. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak with you. And so here's Peter, James, and John, and they didn't die. They're up on the mountain. There's this cloud, and they didn't die. The voice came down from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son. Look over in Mark chapter 111. The voice came whenever Jesus was baptized. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he says, listen, I want you to know that I affirm my son. I am well pleased with my son. So we see this voice, number one, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He affirms him so that Jesus can go out and do ministry. Last week we talked about love and talked about understanding that love is, is to love somebody with expecting nothing back. That's what love is. Anything less than that is, is a game. Anything less than that is false love. Like if I love you and expect you to love me back, well, yeah, that's called human. We want that to happen, but that's typically that's not what love is. Love is I love you and I'm going to treat you, I'm going to care for you whether you love me or not. That's what real love is. God the Father comes and He puts His signature on the Son right there at the baptism. It says, my, my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Here we are two years later. We're on the mountain of transfiguration. The glory of God, like, like the, the window has been opened up so that Peter, James, and John can see just a glimpse of what the resurrection is going to be like. They can see just a glimpse that, hey, there is eternity, that there is a God, and like this... Jesus is God, and He's holy, and He's called you to live for Him. He, he, wants you, he wants you to worship Him. And so as they get this little glimpse, they are now blown away. And, uh, and, and because Jesus comes and He's got the affirmation from God now to go out and do his, the, the hardest job. This wasn't healing somebody. This wasn't raising somebody from the dead. It was to die on the cross Himself and to raise from the dead himself. This was the biggest thing that would ever happen. And so Jesus comes, uh, God the Father comes down and puts his signature upon him. Verse 8, suddenly they looked around whenever they had saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one these things that they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Like, like, what, what do you mean, risen from the dead? Jesus, what are you talking about, risen from the dead? We, we just saw Elijah. We just saw Moses. We saw the glory of God. And, and now you're saying, don't tell anybody until you rise from the dead. As a matter of fact, verse 10 says, so they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And so, man, maybe that's you. You have a lot of questions. They had a lot of questions. Peter, James, and John. What, what's he mean, rise from the dead? What, listen, I thought he was going to be the king. And so what happened when God, when God said from the mountain, he said, this is my son, listen to him. This is my son, hear him. He's saying, listen, you better pay attention because he's talking about him suffering and he's also talking about you suffering. And you know what? I don't like suffering. I, um, the, the people that this letter was written to, Mark was written to the, to the uh, to unbelievers in Rome and to believers in Rome. And as, they, as it goes out, and it's the, the good news of Jesus, what was happening in Rome was persecution of Christians. And I want you to think today about what that means for us. If we're going to suffer, and we say, well, that could never happen in our country, I'll tell you what, ten years ago I would have said that could never happen in our country. I think today I think it's a possibility. 
I think that the day is coming when Christians will be forced to take their stand. Am I a follower of Jesus or have I found myself over here? Right now in Afghanistan, Afghanistan is in dire straits. My heart is moved. I asked you last week to pray for, for Haiti, and I asked you to pray for Afghanistan. And as we're all, you know, you, you watch media and, and all that, I, I want you to know I'm going be, below the surface. I'm going deeper than what the media is telling me. I'm thinking about the church of Jesus Christ over there, fellow followers of Jesus Christ that are paying the price. Uh, let me just share this one message here. This is from a, uh, a lady talking about her friend whose parents... Are in, the, uh, are in Afghanistan right now at the time that the Taliban took over. Here are the messages I received this morning during worship from our friends. Their parents have been serving as missionaries in Afghanistan for about a decade. They are from the U.K. and they are hiding for their lives. The Taliban entered the city of Kabul four hours ago. This is so hard. They have led countless people to Jesus, most who will meet him in their coming days. Thirty minutes later, I received this message. Just FaceTimed with them. They are hiding, surrounded by gunfire and bombs. Everyone is hiding in their homes. The Taliban are taking women and slaughtering anyone who resists them. They will kill all foreigners and anyone who has worked with foreigners over the past 20 years. Yet my mom and dad are full of peace and joy. How do you be full of peace and joy knowing that the Taliban's hunting you down? Because Jesus said that the Son of Man must suffer. And if you're going to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. That you must suffer too. Tertullian said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You take me down, a hundred people will become followers of Christ. They take you down, a hundred more people will come to Jesus Christ. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm not saying, hey, let's go out and taunt this and, and just live foolishly. These people right now are in hiding. These are our fellow brothers and sisters. Today, this is, this is last Sunday this is happening. And, and, and as they're moving in and they're taking over a country, they're going not just after anybody but Christians. I want you to catch this because it is not, the, it's not, Jesus didn't suffer because the Father didn't love him. Jesus suffered because the world hates him. And in your life, you will suffer not because the Father doesn't love you. The Father loves you. The Father has affirmed you. You will suffer because the world hates Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, it happens. So I don't know what will happen in our country. I pray that we don't face times like that. That's not what I'm looking forward to. I think Americans have a hard enough time if, uh, if, if we feel embarrassed. Well, somebody saw me pray at the dinner table at Taco Bell. These people are praying for God to move, and they have peace. I, I want to encourage you to understand that suffering is part of the walk of Christ. As you follow Christ, you may lose a friend. You may lose many friends. You may lose close friends. You may lose people that you thought were your best friend, and now they're no longer because, hey, you're a follower in Christ. And listen, it is not you. It is Christ. Like, the, 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 what is the polarizing? Jesus had people that hated him. The religious people hated him the most. 
I want to encourage you. Understand that when Jesus talked, when the Father came on that mountain and He said, this is my Son, listen to me. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Him. He... He was transfigured, and he, uh, what, what was happening was the glory of God was shining on these, on these people. They got to see this bright, incredible, they never saw him like this. Matthew tells us there was rays coming off of his face. Moses, when Moses went up to the mountain, he could only reflect the glory of God. Moses couldn't get close to God. He couldn't see the face of God. God held him in the cleft of the rock. But yet when Moses came down, it said that his face was shining with the glory of God that came off him. So Moses reflected the glory of God as the moon reflects the sun's light. That's how this works. Whenever you go to meet with God and you get in prayer with God, Guess what? All of a sudden, your face begins to reflect the glory of God. And if you haven't been in prayer, you haven't been meeting with God, all of a sudden, you'll get frustrated. All of a sudden, life is hard. And listen, life is hard. I'm not going to lie about that. Life is extremely hard. There's a lot of problems, a lot of brokenness, a lot of bitterness in our world. But at the end of the day, look, come and get with God and don't try to figure out all these things. You see, Peter had the wrong response. Peter came in and he tried to figure out everything. Look at this, verse 10. So they kept this word to themselves and they kept questioning what did it mean that he rose from the dead. Verse 11, and then they asked him saying, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Basically, hey, we just saw Elijah. So Jesus, you know... This suffering thing, what do you mean rising from the dead? We just saw Elijah. The prophet said Elijah must come first. And look how Jesus responds. Jesus answers him and tells him, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? Continuing on. But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it was written of him. He was referring to this concept here. The, Peter was referring to over in Malachi 4, 5. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. So when Peter's up on the mountain, he sees this. He sees Moses up there. He sees the prophet Elijah. He's saying, man, this must be the time. Uh, this is the time for you now to, to, to come, Lord. And, and he's saying, I just saw Elijah. Matthew eleven four. Jesus said, if you're willing to accept what I say, he, John the Baptist, is Elijah. The one the prophet said would come. He said, John the Baptist is an Elijah. John the baptizer. He was the guy who came and called the people unto God. And as he called the people unto God, there was a great revival that was happening before Jesus arrives on the scene. So John the Baptist goes out. The revival begins. John the Baptist gets beheaded. The forerunner for Jesus gets beheaded. And I say to you today that if the forerunner of Jesus got beheaded, Jesus knew also that he was going to die. And if he was going to die, I want you to understand our suffering is going to be part of the picture. And I realize that that's not an easy picture. Jesus was affirmed by God, to, uh, by the, the love of the Father. He was fortified to go out and do the work that God's called us to do. And I want you to understand, because Jesus understood his love by the Father, he didn't have to retaliate because people didn't like him, because they were trying to kill him. 
When you understand how much you are unconditionally loved, this changes this direction right here. You know what? If you, uh, if you had that kind of love, you couldn't help but be different. You couldn't help but understanding. You'd look at life and you'd say, well, when trouble comes my way, I can see that there's something deeper, something stronger, instead of becoming hard, instead of becoming bitter, instead of becoming joyless. When I suffer, I would now become compassionate and not cynical. When you understand the love of the Father, when you understand the love of the Father, you can look failure in the eye and it's okay. Do you realize if you don't fail, you're not doing anything? You know, don't do anything. You won't fail. But go and try and do something and you'll fail. Somebody once said success is, is failure tired out. And I agree with that. Listen, I don't know all too much about success. I can tell you a whole lot about failure. But I want you to catch this. When you understand who God is, when you understand how much he loves you, and, and like you have this, God has a plan for your life, when you go out and you've got to do something for God, it's okay if you fail. Wipe the dust off your feet, the Scripture says. Hmm. Don't be looking for affirmation from somebody else. Come along and worship him. And so as you, as you see, what, what's really happening up on this mountain? I want to encourage you here. Worship, give, these, these guys, Peter, James, and John, they had a moment of worship. They saw the awesomeness of God. They saw the holiness of God. And they did something. Listen, going up to the mountain, they had already said that He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He's the anointed one. So they already had the head. Now they were moving from the head down to the heart. And they were worshiping. And they sensed it. And folks, I want to encourage you, that's what I want you to do in your life, to go out and sense the presence of God, to go out and not just know a bunch of head faith. Listen, knowledge alone is not what the Scriptures are all about. You've got to take knowledge and you've got to plug it into your heart and you've got, you've got to be faithful and learn how to worship the Lord. That's what happened. Peter, James, and John, they saw Him and then they had this moment and they worshiped the Lord God Almighty. And I ask you, have you sensed the presence of God? When you came in here this morning, we were singing. Man, this was an alive service today, wasn't it? Let's thank God for that, man. What an awesome time of worship we had together. But, but I want to ask you, did, did you, did you come in looking for God? Or were you upset because you didn't know a line in the song? Were you upset because it's not this, it's not that, it's not my favorite song today, or this or that? Were you coming and looking for God? Listen, when, when the glory of God peeled open, they were able to sense His presence, and they, they sensed how much God's love and His holiness and His awesomeness. And when we gather together on Sundays here, on Saturdays and Sundays, I want to encourage us, when you come in, come in and prepare your heart to worship God Almighty and sense. Don't just know who He is. Now experience him when you're at home and you're 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 listening to your music you pull out your song you pull out your music are you able to sense the presence of god and get in touch with god almighty not just from a head faith but hey listen i've had worship listen i've had many times where i've gotten alone and i realized that man god has just talked to me god has just done something to me he has, uh, he has given me His power and His might, and I can sense His presence right now. You know what? Um, sometimes there's the, the, the lesson that I see from Peter here is this. Never pass up an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. 
Never pass up an opportunity to keep your mouth shut. You know, Peter inserted his foot right into his mouth. It happens all the time. I'm the king of that. I talk too much. When you're coming into the presence of God, take the moment and be quiet in his presence. When was the last time you enjoyed his presence? Not his gifts, but his presence. When was the last time you got alone and said, Lord, you are my provider? My job is on the rocks, but you are my provider. These bills are out of hand, but you are my provider. When was the last time you got into that presence and sensed Him and you worshipped Him for who He is? That's what God has called us to do, is to worship Him. You have health problems that are going awry. You have people that are going awry. You have all these problems. And what happens is we come and we try to rationalize everything. We try to talk our way through all this. And God says, listen, I want you to come into my presence. And I want you to know who I am. I want you to understand me. And I want you to sense me. I want you to experience me. You know, when you have times of silence and more and worships, times of silence where you get alone with God and worship Him, you will gain a heart of wisdom. You really will. You'll gain wisdom. You don't gain wisdom by talking all the time. You gain wisdom by coming to the feet of God and let Him speak into you. And you hear from Him and you worship Him. And now, whenever you go on out about your life, you don't have to live on the ragged edge anymore. You have a peace. There's missionaries in Afghanistan that their life is on the line right now. They don't get that by rationalizing the Taliban. There's nothing rational about it. They get it by coming in and understanding that God is God. And I'm not. And if he's the king and I'm his servant, okay, Lord, if I go out that door and I take my life, that's up to you. You see, you get that in times of silence. You gain wisdom from that. As as you allow silent times of worship to grow, you become uh, you, you begin to see. Let the Holy Spirit make sense out of chaos. He comes and brings clarity out of chaos. You know, the world is chaotic right now. This is the craziest that we've seen in our world yet. But yet, when we get alone and we worship the Lord God Almighty, you don't have to go live in a phobia. We live in, we have a, a pandemic of phobia right now, folks. The virus was very small. We have a pandemic of phobia. People are afraid of the virus, and that's okay. People are afraid of the government, and that's okay. People are afraid of the Taliban. People are afraid of everything. And, and have you noticed they keep putting thing on top of thing on top of thing to create fear out there? Go home and watch the news. I, I saw the other day they found some other tropical disease that's going to harm us all. I'm like, shut it off. I told somebody came to the Saturday night service last night and they were explaining to me. They said, boy, it's getting really bad. Are you watching the news? I said, no, I'm not. I'm turning it off and I'm turning God's word up. So turn that down and turn God's word up because we are living in a season of fear. And the way that you deal with fear, listen, it is bad. I'm not negating it. Yeah, we got a serious condition going on this planet right now. We've got virus. We've got political unrest. We've got problems like we've never seen before. But I have a God who says, I love you, and I have a plan for your life. And you can get up, and you can keep functioning, and you will navigate this world however God has called us to do because he is with you, and he will never leave you. 
He'll never forsake you. Silence in the presence of others allows you to observe them with greater discernment. You know, if you go in a room and you're doing all the talking, you don't catch anything. You, you, just, you just have done all the talking. Um, silence, when we, when we sit back and we just take it in and just say, okay, maybe I can actually listen to somebody. Did you ever sit and listen to somebody but you didn't really listen to them? You know, like somebody just told you like, hey, you know, I, I had a car accident down the street. You say, oh, really? And then, then you had a car accident. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I just told you. That's notorious marriage 101 right there. Right. You know, that's that's some classic stuff. Silence encourages us to see ourselves for who we are. And when, when we're in the light of God, when we're worshiping God and we see that bright light, I want you to understand you're also going to see your shortcomings. And God says, I don't want you looking at your shortcomings. I want you looking at me. I want your head up and I want you worshiping. And yes, yeah, there's things that God's changing right here, but it's not changing because I'm working on it. It's changing because I'm going in a new direction. I've got a new path. I've got a new place to go because I'm not going where I used to go anymore. I'm going to him. I'm not going to me anymore. In silence, you get to see greater meaning from life's experiences. There's a lot of experiences in life, and, and now you start to interpret life differently. If you have a child that runs away from home, it's time to be quiet. Your wife says, I no longer love you. It's time to be quiet. Your boss says, we decided to let you go. It's time to be quiet. Let God instruct you and resist the temptation to react or to justify yourself or to explain yourself or to explain the event away. It's time that we get in the presence of God and just listen to Him. The question that we ask in silence is this, and I want to encourage you with this. As you're looking at life's problems and you're seeing all these things, we see a God that is great. I want to encourage you to come to God like this and ask Him this. How will God use this for my good and His glory. How will God use this for my good and His glory? Not why, not what, not rationalizing. We are the king of rationalizing. We all rationalize. Well, you know what? This da, 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 da. No, no. God says, I don't want you rationalizing. I want you to come into my presence and I want you to see that I am God. Romans 8.28. Let's read this together. Romans 8.28. Read it aloud with me. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. You know what? Whenever you get alone with God and you understand this, you say, okay, I can trust Him because He loves me. See, you've been affirmed by God already. You are affirmed. God has a plan for your life. He has affirmed you. And there's bad things that are happening all over your life. God says, listen, I am still God and I'm working. Just relax. I got it under control. And I'll tell you what, that's easier said than done. But God says, understand my word. All things, not just some things, everything that's happened in your life. Good decisions, bad decisions that you made. Stupid things that you did. God says, everything Works together for his good. That's the kind of God we have. You know what happens? God transforms our heart. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was transformed. Metamorphosis. He looked completely different. In silence with God, God transforms your heart. Metamorphosis. You get transfigured. You get transformed. And pretty soon your family says... What happened to him? What happened to her? 
Psalm 46.10 says this, be still. The word there is silent. Be silent, be still, and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Then he goes through this list. Though the world fall, though the foundations crumble of the earth, I will be honored. And our job is to be quiet, to be still, and know that he is God. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to take you to Jesus. I, I, I want to encourage you to trust him. Maybe for you, you need a transfiguration. Your heart has grown cold. Your heart has grown hardened because of the fear that's happening in our world right now. Maybe your heart has grown hardened because of problems or because of relationships that have been broken, family things that have happened, and job situations. And, and the list goes on and on of the things that can just really be painful in life. God says, I want you to come back to me and I want you to worship me. I am your provider. I am the one who has unconditional love for you. Would you, would you accept that today? Like, God, you love me even though I failed. God, you love me even though. And I'm in your light today, Lord, and I just want to worship you. I want to respond to you. I, I want to sense your presence in my life, God. I, I don't want to just know the facts. I want to, I want to walk with you and I want to experience you. So if that's you today in, in this room, if you've not yet trusted Christ, would you just call on the Lord and pray something like this? Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I invite you into my heart and soul. And Lord, I ask you to transform my heart, my countenance, my life. And for others in here, maybe you've trusted Christ many years ago, but things have gotten hard, they've gotten cold, they've gotten painful. Would you come back? This isn't about the church. This isn't about your husband. This isn't about your wife or your kids or your job. This is about God. And as you consider who He is, would you worship Him and sense His presence? It's whenever your heart goes after what we are longing for. We place your heart to the things of God and worship Him. Worship will change your life. Oh, not music. Worship will. So would you call on Him? And pray to Him today and worship the Almighty. Lord, be with each person as we respond to You. God, I thank You for Your glory, Lord. We, we live in a culture that is devoid of the glory of God. There's only thinking about what they want to think about, making identities of their own. Lord, I pray today that You allow us to lose our life, that we may find it in You. Lord, help us that we may sense you as we know you as we know the facts lord help us to sense you as we worship you in your name would you please stand as we respond i will rest your promises my confidence
want to thank you for joining us this morning. Go in peace and you are loved by an unstoppable God. You are dismissed.